Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I have four members of my firefighting family with me. I have Ash. Hey there. I have Kev. Good evening, Carl. I have Rob. Hey, Carl. And I have Mr. Spence. Hi, Carl. We do not have Scott tonight. There is no Scott. Uh, He is somewhere doing training stuff for people doing things, I think, right? Yeah, so he'll tell us next week. I'm sure he always gives mm. us an update. I think he's going to be on for next week, even though he's away for a couple of weeks. I think his day job has turned into a month job. It seems to be. Mm. Right. Seems yep. to be. Yeah. Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash, you are going to go with some shout-outs for me this evening. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, first and foremost, I want to shout out Chief Miller. Uh, he's really getting on board, helping us out a bunch there, sharing a lot of our content. Uh, if you haven't looked at any of his stuff, make sure you do. Uh, Instagram, Chief underscore Miller underscore. He also has Chief Miller Media. Check that out. Uh, he's on the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Snapchat. He is everywhere. Uh, big shout out to uh, RZ Masks. We've been testing with them. You guys have been seeing some photos of that happening. Uh, really, really good stuff. Watch for us uh, getting a video and a full review coming for those guys. Uh, Modus. Uh, we've been testing the Snagger tool. Loving that so far. Uh, and also a new product which isn't quite released yet we've been playing with that a bit loving that so again watch out for that coming may um who else do we have we have uh i am responding check them out for all of your responding needs Um, (laughs) yeah then everybody knows if you are responding so that's really good uh who else do we got guys we got uh how about, the, uh, how about the boys down safe? Yeah, so we've been getting some love from the Brotherhood Academy radio fellas there. So I've been chatting a bit with Nick there, a really good guy. I want to thank him for uh, taking a moment from chopping holes and roofs and uh, giving us a shout out. So thank, thanks a lot there, buddy. Uh, yeah, they're uh, kind of doing the same thing, just with uh, an American twist. And they're from Maine. From uh, Maine there. Yeah, so I was trying to get, they did a really terrible. Canadian accent, <laughs> which sounded French, so I quickly said that's the opposite side of the country. We're, we're not French. Our tires are round. Not that there's anything bad with French, just we are not. Or square uh, tires. Or square tires. tires. Our, square tires, tires, our yeah. tires are very round, so thanks a lot for that. But uh, yeah, they're kind of doing the same program that we are up, up here, uh, so uh, give those guys a quick listen as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheers, bar boys. Mm-hmm. And lastly, uh, Chris... Uh, he was uh, one of many that wrote in asking us some questions and some comments about uh, um, burn building. A burn building, yeah, like training, training. burn. Yeah, and that's what got us to you last week's episode, which was really good. So, Chris, we saw what you wrote back to us, and we really loved that. And uh, that kind of gets us into what we're going to be talking about this week, because uh, we did have a couple more questions and comments around training, which coming off the back of the burn building how you can acquire that on the cheap this week's episode is training on a budget and carl i will pass that back to you <coughs> well actually let's flip over to uh, no spence you got news we'll do news first news first yeah. okay. and then we'll roll up but yes yes you are correct <coughs> mrs spence well 
as you may or may not know, we're all a week behind in our our head. I don't know. This episode's going to air. We recorded, as you're listening to this, <laughs> we recorded this a week ago. We're and today in to real time, from the pub. last week in yeah. podcast time, Notre Dame Cathedral caught fire, as yeah. we probably all know by now. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and that's the big uh, cathedral in Paris, France. Um, Which one? Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, yeah. Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. In Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm uh, not all that classy, but um, yeah, Notre Dame Cathedral has caught fire. Now I, I heard on the radio that um, they were doing some renovations, so that may have had something to do with it. Uh, As it is now, the CNNs aren't saying what the the cause of the fire. They're still investigating it. Um, I understand that one firefighter was injured in that fire, so or. Uh, Best wishes go out to that firefighter and uh, their family and all that. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame Cathedral. It's an iconic piece of, of the church, worldwide type of thing, and mm-hmm. caught fire today. So it changed the skyline of Paris forever. Looks, Craziness. Looks like a difficult fire to fight because they did have ladder trucks, and it didn't even look like their ladder trucks were tall enough to reach the to, start of the to, to get <laughs> high enough to get in yeah. uh, and get oh, water sure. on the fire. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I was looking at the pictures. They had like a live camera feed from mm-hmm. across, uh, quite a ways across, but you could see a lot of what was going on. And uh, I can't remember, there was a fire department that we follow as our page because they, they do some good training and I like, I like following them. I'll find them actually and we'll give you a shout out as well, guys. Um, they posted up the, the live feed piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was looking at that for a bit. And you're right, those ladders, they just didn't seem like they were reaching anywhere near this is like it and it, it comes out that thing like this is one of those big fires that will be remembered forever in in history and time right like this yeah. 2019 this this day is it, it's a pretty big crazy deal mm-hmm. that this building that's been around for hundreds of years is now ash or at least a lot of it is, is really, not what did uh what you said something earlier about uh you saw a tweet from trump or something yeah about sending they should have used water tankers to fly over and drop water on it yeah. uh, I don't Get know if that was the right yeah. <laughs> right uh, thing to say at the time but uh, you know uh, there are a lot of artifacts in that building too a lot of, a lot of history like yeah. the building's 800 years old over 800 years old mm. so there's a lot of history that you know I, I, I did see the news tonight and uh, they showed some pictures from fire officials from inside that looks like they were able to contain a fair amount of it i guess to the roof structure so at least from those pictures so some of the interior uh, not as much damage at least in the section that was on fire um yeah well good Mm -hmm. imagine they'll rebuild well on that i've got a little uh secondary piece of news so, uh, speaking of my, my French here, pardon this. So there's French-Canadian and there's like French-French. So, French billionaire Francois-Henri Pinot, that's as good as you're going to get from me, <laughs> said Monday night he and his family will donate 100 million euros. I don't know what that is like. Is that a lot? Yeah. <laughs> this is like the, the opposite of Dr. Evil. He's, he's like, Dr. I'm going to donate 100 million euros. Dr. Uh, Friendly? I don't Dr. Friendly, yeah. He's a doctor, pretty all right guy. Um, what does that mean in Canadian or American or whatever? It's like a 200 lot. or it's like double. Or, yeah. Double up, yeah. 
Yeah, basically, it used to be double. It's probably about 1.8. Yeah, so a quote from from this guy says, My father and I have decided to release, as of now, from the funds of Artemis. That sounds crazy. A sum of 100 million euros to participate in the effort that would be necessary for the complete reconstruction of Notre Dame. That right there is how you buy your name in a legacy. Yeah, right fact, there. Right? That is history built right there. You like you've literally paid that to sustain your oh. family name forever. Yeah, this the is Notre Dame Pinot. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. They'll get like a sec- or a wing named after them. But yeah, crazy. he's already got a pretty good legacy, but that that's gonna put it next. Uh, international luxury group, whatever Caring is. I don't know what that is. Which includes Gucci, Saint. Saint Laurent and president of the French holding company Group Artemis, which owns the fine arts auction house Christie's. So, yeah, I think these guys are pretty uh, well established across many whatever platforms. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that is uh, that is a legacy deal there. Insane in the membrane. Now, is this nuts that that is actually happening right now? What do you uh, there? 100 million euros is 113 million US dollars or 151 million Canadian dollars. Well, right. That's a Brexit problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah, a, it, was a, it was the effects of the Brexit. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, hold on a minute. We're, uh, we're getting a guest caller. Someone get Scott's box. Must <laughs> <laughs> well, we got rid of Scott's box. Scott's box. So, it, sorry, Scott's just messaged us that out of nowhere and now he wants to be on. Yeah, just, of course he does. Yeah. It's because we're a big deal. Typical Scott. Right. Yeah. People know us. <laughs> <laughs> Scott wants to be on our show. Right. Happening <laughs> right now. Guess what? It's, it's not training without Scott. Kate, we're calling him right now. What, he didn't even call in? <laughs> <laughs> How lazy is this? Yeah. Come on. Hey, call him. give me a call. You're on the air. Yeah. Long time listener, first time caller. Scott. Hey. 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 We're, we're, we're recording live still, by the way. <laughs> still live. Yeah, yeah. still live. <laughs> we're not live. I mean, we're, we're recording. Well, yeah. Yeah. as live as we get. <laughs> we're rolling, regardless. Uh, we right. were just finishing up the new segment, uh, and we just finished talking about the Notre Dame fire. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Huge one. Huge. Yeah, we were just saying, Ash was just saying some millionaire is... Uh, is donating like tons and tons of monies to be able to help repair it and all the other fun stuff. But we were just about to talk fire stuff because I think that's what we do sometimes on here. <coughs> on, on occasion. Sorry, Bob. Um, so we're just about to get into that. So this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen, and Scott, who is listening to this and has just heard this for the first time, we are talking training on a budget. Uh, training on a budget. <coughs> so we're talking about all of the things that you can do for free, the things that we do currently for free, um, the, you know, bits and pieces that either there we're getting donations from people or um, tactics that we use or training that we do that allows us to do the, the fun things, but without much or very little to zero um, financial input. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes time. In fact, all the time, time. All the time, time. Time is the real currency here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're going to start talking about that. So... The first thing I would like to touch on is um, our playground of vehicular toys that we get for freebies. So let's maybe start with that. So vehicle donations, uh, we're very lucky 
um, that we have a neighboring uh, scrapyard and car dealers and things around us that get older vehicles and uh, they give them to us to allow us to play with our uh, big pincers and pressure tools and all the other fun stuff. And I'm going to let Pincer. Spence take it okay. from there. Well, Spence, yeah, explain. just like Carl said, we've got two, three, three wrecking yards, three automotive recyclers locally. Um, and the, the really wonderful thing about them is that they're, they're very generous with us. But their product doesn't really require the product to be intact when they go to sell it. So they get cars as auto recyclers. And um, what ends up happening with these cars is they sell whatever parts they can off of them, of course. And then they get crushed and sent away for scrap metal, um, scrap dunnage. Um, they borrow us those cars and we practice auto X on them at our training ground. We cut them up with tools and we make interesting scenarios with these cars. We stack them on top of each other and pretend like they got in collisions and all sorts of fun stuff. And these auto recyclers are nice enough to drop off the cars and pick them up when they're done. As long as they get more or less the same amount of weight in metal in them, when they take them back, they're more than, than gracious enough to let us cut them up. So that's a fantastic resource if you can find an auto recycler that's that's nice enough that way to either bring you some cars if you've got a place to do some cutting up, or <coughs> allow you to use their their own their wrecking yard. You know that's an even easier way. One of our members used to be an auto recycler and would let us go out to his yard, and he'd have a few cars set up for us. Uh, they have all the fluids drained out, of course, and we. We're allowed to cut them up and practice using our hydraulic rescue tools. It's a, <clears throat> it's one of those free things. Again, you're reaching out to the community. You're having a conversation with local business owners and, and local businesses. They're not doing anything else with this metal. It's whether we whether it's in 500 pieces or one. It really doesn't matter to them as long as they can, like Spence said, claim uh, claim that weight still. And really it doesn't they don't care like you just need to have that conversation explain what you want to use them for and you can get some really solid experience we had the auto explication course where we ended up having the guy came uh, came in and we had all vehicles stacked in all sorts of different fun ways at the training ground that you sit there spent mm -hmm. and uh it was it's awesome the things that you can do again another perfectly great free option kept thank you for just putting putting the word out in the community We've had several people come forward and just say, hey, I got a crappy old car. Do you guys want it? I ended up parking it down on the training grounds there and rip it apart one day. And then we get to donate it to our auto wrecker friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really got to think we put the call out before our seminar when we when we're really held to um, need a lot of cars. Right. So to ask a couple of recyclers to donate however many we get in there uh, is is a challenge for them. So we put it out to the community. And a lot of these people have, uh, like Kevin says, a car that maybe doesn't run or the tires are shot or it just doesn't hold a lot of value. And it would cost them more to have somebody come and tow it away. So, like, we have all these people with all these other expertises in our department, as I'm sure all of you do as well, somebody's going to have a flat deck trailer with a come along go and pick up this car for free 
These people are now not paying it to be towed away. You get to crush it up, chop it, whatever you have to do. You can burn it. Um, when you're done, you then, like Kev says, forward that back onto the auto recycler that's been so kind to allow you to cut up his product. Uh, so you're giving them back more than actually what he gave to you. And that's more common than not. We, we've gotten a number of cars and other vehicles for that. Yeah. Scott, you got something for us? Yeah, actually, uh, to add to that, I think the last two or three vehicles we've gotten actually came from the town, and they were derelict cars that were broken down on the side of the road. So, um, you know, in the summertime, or, well, anytime, um, you know, vehicles get, they break down. I mean, we have a fairly transient population in the summer um, with the orchards and the vineyards, people picking, uh, picking fruit. Um, their cars aren't the best running conditions, and they, they often get left and so I think the town, rather than just taking it right to the auto wrecker now, they, they actually take it to our training ground. We train on it and then send it to the auto wrecker. So that's another option people can go with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kevin, you got something as well? Uh, one day I was just sitting around looking at, scrolling through the Facebook and found uh, an RV. Someone was like, oh, hey, I got this RV. It's kind of done. We want to get rid of it someone wants to come and pick it up they can get it i put out the call to a couple people mm -hmm. ash and a couple of our other guys and we went down there and the thing still ran yeah no no, uh, no it didn't run no we towed it out of there yeah so it turns out this thing was like a block and a half away from the training grounds hey. it's a side street so i'm like well <laughs> yep let's just hook a big chain on this thing and we're gonna so I pulled it I go you or somebody drove can drove it did a couple tests with the brakes yeah they kind of work still good so yeah that, that block or whatever that we had to drive that back and now you're training you're thinking outside of the box with this thing so you know how many we're in a pretty busy um, summertime tourist town area a lot of traffic drives through here a lot of traffic stops here thinking how can you utilize a motorhome which you see a hundred plus each day driving through here for auto x for many many things in the end we'll probably burn it too so mm -hmm. it's uh it's one of those things where um especially with where we are mm -hmm. those sorts of things are a really good asset to have like getting our hands mm -hmm. on an rv great idea mm -hmm. great idea and it's in good shape like i mean it's not but like the box is in good shape the cab's in good shape Everything else sucks. Like none of the appliances work anymore. We, you know, we don't care about that. Flop it on its side, put a car in, into it, and say, "Hey, let's try to, you know, stabilize this thing. Let's get people out of it and whatever." And like I say, at the end of it, just set the thing on fire. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Rob, one of the nice things that's been in getting people donating vehicles is we get, uh, or being able to get vehicles from wreckers is that we get some vehicles that we don't typically get a chance to work on or have in a auto extrication scenario all the time like a bus or the motorhome um, those are some special things that we don't normally have or find laying around here and there out in somebody's wrecking yard all the time so to get those is uh, is pretty cool to see the other thing that's really good with having vehicles to work on all the time is you get to see how the vehicle moves, how it's going to 
react when you're making cut cuts here or you're uh, using the spreaders to pop a door here you get a feel for how the tools are going to move how the vehicle is going to react and you can then take what you've learned and use that in a real scenario that way you're prepared for it rather than using the tools and and getting caught in an awkward position yeah great point mm-hmm. Spence. yeah just to further that there's no um, experience quite like putting your hands on the tools um, and then letting them go where they want to go because you're not going to fight the tools they're going to go where they want to go it's true. Yeah. It's true. I was watching a YouTube video today, actually, of some guys did an interview with um, some guys on the fire department, and they were saying exactly the same thing. We've got to learn to practice with them because as soon as that thing starts to go, like the worst, and I know we're going off, but it is, as soon as you get yourself in between that tool and the car, mm-hmm. there's a, you're going to have a bad time. Like, <laughs> real quick, yeah. you're going to have a bad time. Um, and I learned that thinking that you know again i'm not there mechanically inclined but i learned that when we did the auto x course because i was working the tool and it was like oh it's it's coming towards me oh i'm no i'm not fine i'm not fine go the other way oh (laughs) it was it was already kind of wedged but yeah it's you get you need to get that practice in for sure and being able to get free stuff is awesome that was the time in fact during that auto x course that we got to cut open a bus yeah that was pretty cool which was awesome uh-huh. did we we, so ended we, up cutting it, we cut it in half yeah we cut i think uh, we folded it in half did we not no we, we flipped cut, it on its side yeah, and then we cut, we cut a hole in the, the roof we cut the a-frames yeah we tried to do a dash yeah. roll on it but yeah i think we did do the dash roll. i think we did we yeah, did it yeah like it did portion yeah it, so the good thing with these Stuck things, the same as a car. <laughs> yeah, but you, you get the opportunity, if you can get these free things, like we were lucky enough to get a bus, if you can get this stuff, it gives you the opportunity to test and play with these things. And absolutely, like we, obviously a lot of people have schools near them. You may get into a situation where you need to deal with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So knowing that this was a, it, it was a really tough thing to try and cut through. We will know when we get to it next. Really impressive to see that video of when we were trying to pull it over. Yeah, for sure. Like that it just was... wouldn't go and wouldn't go and wouldn't go. It yeah, just to see yeah, didn't want how to far it would go before it finally let go. Yeah. Like that's That was impressive. I think we can probably throw that video up. Too. We can. We yeah. will. Yeah. I think. And the, uh, the ribs, the strength of the ribs in the yeah. structure ribs. of the bus was yeah. pretty amazing. And the neat thing about the bus is there's a big expanse of sheet metal mm-hmm. where you can take your air chisel and carve your name in. <laughs> who does that I don't know <laughs> weird yeah Rob well, I was going to say I think we've got a picture somewhere in a folder that on one of our auto X nights we cut the cut it right in the middle and we actually took a couple of come alongs or uh, chain pulls and we actually folded that car uh, front to back like a like a sandwich mm-hmm. oh yeah we yeah. I'm sure we've got a, vi- a picture of it somewhere. We do, yeah. We Which? Yeah, we car? have Dana yeah. and... Uh, yeah, we've got the yeah, car. We yeah. yeah, it's got the front wheels mm-hmm. touching the back wheels there, and that was pretty cool. It's fun, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of fun. You learn a lot. I mean, yeah, we were messing around, but again, back to the subject. Bob's going to kill us, otherwise. Um, you, what did we get off subject? Well, no, we just kind of... Well, well, maybe. It's kind of a... Yeah. You were going to say... Well, it's got reminded me about uh, the tractor that we got. Like, just the diverse amount of things that we got down there. Being a rural community, this somebody donated this tractor to us because we we have gone to a, a tractor rollover where we had to rescue somebody from underneath their tractor. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a tractor at our training grounds that we can tip over and just think about the uh, 
the intricacies and the uh, uniqueness of a tractor trying to move it from a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's just all sorts of things that we've got. Go and communicate them yourselves. Yeah, and we've got them because we asked. Mm-hmm. And I think the big, and some, once you've asked, or maybe people are just giving it to us, but we do ask. And there's no, there's only a couple of answers you're going to get. It's either a yes or it's no. And if you don't ask, you don't know if it's going to be the yes. So you, you don't have it already. So there's your no. So ask the question. <laughs> That's right. right? Yeah. Be prepared for the why. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. be prepared for the why. Always. That's a really good point really good point always be ready to answer why and have a valid valid reason we want to learn start with the why in the in the beginning we're looking to better ourselves in our community would Uh you help us out doing that yeah yeah absolutely uh so speaking of working with locals and bits and pieces for that kind of stuff we uh we also do it for um for land so if they're you know if if we know people that have specific pieces of land um that maybe um, have unique properties to them to allow us to do certain training tactics and things like that. We've, we've had discussions with people where we've, we've used their stuff to, to, to allow us to kind of train that segment. Maybe it's a, a big drop off for ropes. Um, maybe there's some, you know, water sections, which are a lot easier to train through. Luckily we've got some other areas for that, but, um, but one of the things Kev brought up was in your own area knowing some of the the locations i'll, I'll let you take it from that kid so we have a couple little areas where we've had some historical major calls and uh, one in particular is up on a dirt road just outside of our town boundaries but if there's an incident there we're going to respond to it and uh it's kind of a a pretty sharp corner but if you miss that corner you're going over a fairly steep bank and uh, we've had at least one fatality there and so we go to that location and we we train there as if there was an incident there so you find these trouble trouble spots within your area that you're going to be responding to and if you have the opportunity to have access to that area go and train as if you're getting a call there that way, when there is a call there, you know exactly what to do. You're prepared. It e- makes it easier for you to respond and, and makes for a way more professional response. You're calm. You're ready to go. You know what you need to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spence? Yeah, that particular location um, turns out is private property. And the first time, Scott had, had the idea that we should go and train there because it is a trouble spot for road rescue and over embankment. So we decided that we we're going to go and train there. Unbeknownst to us, it belonged to somebody. We thought it was crown land, like just belonged to the country kind of thing. Um, so the first night that we went to train there, the landowner came out from his house and was hollering down at us like, what the heck are you doing on my land? So I ended up talking to this fellow um, and sort of described what we were doing, invited him to come down and, and have a look and watch um, and, and diffuse that situation. He was pretty upset because all of a sudden his dogs are barking and he's trying to get the kids to sleep and there's all these lights and commotion going on on his property. Um, so I, I talked him down off of that. And moving forward, he is very comfortable with us using the land as long as we let him know prior to ask his permission, which is sort of what we're getting at um, all over the place here. 
so yeah that's another thing is that find out who owns the things that you want to use and ask them and again i i explained to this fellow you know there's been crashes here we're just trying to make the next one go more smoothly and he was very understanding about that once everything got calmed down Mm -hmm. perfect yeah yeah because it's especially in in those spots so just think about it think about running run through your head right now of those key locations that you know you've been to two or three times at least and are just a consistent problem now you know regardless of whether you've brought these areas up to your town or area to try and kind of remedy some of those factors if those things haven't been brought in yet those things are going to consistently happen pretty much every year you're going to get those issues we've got a specific corner which is very bad for black ice every year and we know that we're going to see something there every year you know there's those those key locations if you can go there and you can train in those spots and know some of the hazards that are there before you're there at 3 a.m in the pitch black trying to dodge vehicles with stop signs in your hands mr spence um it's a valid valid and useful training experience mm-hmm. yeah it's a really good point Kev. uh scott you got anything on that sorry yeah uh, my phone on mute <laughs> um i just wanted to add if you're going to do uh training in the public um one thing i want to do still is uh and i think it's a good idea for everybody it's maybe make some signs like bigger signs that say you know firefighter training in progress <laughs> So people aren't getting all worried and concerned because we've had a few times where we've done you know, our big scenarios and neighbors are running out and worried about what's going on. So I, it's not a bad idea, I think, to put firefighter training in progress and maybe even do a, like a Facebook post or a social media post. And Rob's usually pretty good about that stuff. Um, yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's sure. completely bad. Especially because, you know, you're right. Like, while we're out there, we're doing things. Everyone's going to be panicking, driving by. Well, what are they doing? Well, what's going on there? Like, why are they Why are they there? You know, is something going Oh, my, my uncle lives on that street. And, you know, then the worry and the, the, the rumor mill starts mm-hmm. up and we all know what happens on Facebook. Right? It's like... No, uh, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, what happens? No idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there was a squirrel up a tree, and then all of a sudden, like six neighborhoods just got obliterated by a firestorm cloud. Spence, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's a cat up a post. <laughs> yeah, a cat in a tree. Um, yeah, about those signs, um, we were in the progress of process of, of doing some over embankment training uh, with the whole department. It was a big scenario, and I think Rob's going to bring it up in a little bit, but. Um, some of the, the neighbors, some of the residents around the neighborhood came to see it. And I was, um, I was observing from up above the bank and I was explaining to all these neighbors, it was a training scenario and, you know, nothing's going on. It's all okay. One of the neighbors just wouldn't have it. He said, oh yeah, there's a terrible corner and he's just going on about it. And he, I said to him a couple of times, this is just training. We've set this up. It's all okay. No, no, no. Somebody's going to die around here. And he's, going off is fun <laughs> yeah. no sir it's just us it's good. Thursday night we do it every week <laughs> it's good to hear the worries from yeah. the public yeah, um, yeah it, it's find those spots um, configure those scenarios and uh, yeah and, and don't just I think we're going to come on to that now with scenario stuff with, with you there Rob we'll start with you sure. with that. Um, well, I know yeah, yeah go ahead Yeah. well I know we've talked about it before some time ago about 
this particular setup that we did, which was there's a upper road that has a steep bank, uh, and I can't remember how far, 150, 200 feet down. Uh, then there's a lower road. We haven't had any calls there, but I live on this street and drive past this area all the time that I thought, you know, this would be a good place to set up a scenario as a vehicle rollover, and which we did. We found a, a vehicle that we put at the bottom of this hillside, and we got, uh, as part of that, to add more realism to it, we got... Uh, a couple of volunteers, which ended up being family members, Scott's mother-in-law and my son, who uh, portrayed um, people inside the vehicle. And we put this vehicle at the bottom of the hill, and Ash actually ended up uh, portraying the driver who was uh, pretending to be drunk and halfway up the hillside, uh, you know, 75, 100 feet from where the vehicle ended up. And we faked a call, had the guys respond to this, and watched to see how they reacted, what they did, and whether they realized that somebody was missing from the vehicle, which it took them a while, and of course with all the trucks running and the equipment running, as Ash pretended to kind of come to up this hillside and started yelling in pain, and nobody had picked up on that the driver was missing, and eventually some guys clued in that they should be checking the surrounding areas using mm -hmm. a thermal camera or just visually with some uh, some lights um, they sent another truck to go up to the top of the hill our rescue truck which has ropes and they worked with that in a basket to come down the hillside uh, rescue ash and I can't remember from there if they raised the basket or lowered the basket down yeah we went up yeah, but so. uh that was just one of those scenarios in an area where we haven't had a call could potentially have a call that I felt was a good training exercise. And I think some guys gathered some information mm -hmm. out of that in realizing things we need to keep an eye out for. And Yeah. Yeah, great. Ash? I think one of the cool free tools that we got out of that was actually just how we dispatched that out. So it's tough to simulate on a training night when you um, when you try to rally the troops to go out and do a scenario because everybody walks out and they kind of pick the truck they want to be in and oh I like that guy so I'm going to go in this truck with my buddy or oh I wonder what kind of training this will be I'll be in a rescue truck because I will hope we're doing a rescue practice tonight or oh I'll go in one of the engines because hopefully we get to spray water so people start picking and choosing so we reached out to our dispatchers which were uh, very happy to help us out they actually paged the call out for us which was awesome uh, turns out there was some uh, some issues after the fact that uh, we worked together with them for the next time so the call came in as a real call our pagers went off our iron responding went off uh, and it was a real call during the meeting portion of our practice every practice we sit down for 10 minutes beforehand do a quick safety debrief from the previous week uh, a couple upcoming things and blah 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 but yeah so this this call out came as we're sitting at the table so making practice real i mean that's something that gets everybody's blood flowing you go from zero to i am responding uh -huh. mm -hmm. um <laughs> just like that so there's no like oh hey where's my buddy going no so you run out you gear up 
and then you get in. We had all of the officers all on board for this one, so they ran out quick, got their gear, got into the officer seat, and as we rolled out of the hall, we dropped back down to, to routine. But you simulate that, get the blood going, and that's something that you can do for free. Just reach out to your dispatchers and work work with them, see, see what they are able to do. I mean, anybody can grab a radio, and we've done that a million times, where we'll just, people will be sitting back in the hall and we'll key up the mic, Right, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's happening, right? But also with I am responding, you can, and Kevin's done this for us a couple times. You can simulate a call, and it pushes out to everybody's phones, and so that's a pretty cool little tool there as well. So simulating the realism of of a call rather than just trying to get guys going is uh, it's free, and you can make it happen. Yeah, Kev, so that uh, I am responding thing, it's not a a um, an actual feature of I am responding. I actually had to contact them oh. and talk to them and say like, "Hey guys, we're really wanting to be able to do this." And one of the tech support guys really kindly helped me out, set it up specifically for us. So I imagine if you have I am responding and you want that, you can contact them. And there's uh, just a little checkbox within the user settings now where I can check it for test dispatches and now you can whoever has that test dispatch enabled I can send uh, an email to a specific email address which would then trigger I am responding and it also works really well when you're sitting around a table with a couple guys at lunchtime <laughs> just to get some blood pumping and <laughs> laugh at a few guys. Jerk move. <laughs> Roby. Well, just going back to the realism in having people portraying uh, patients, um, it, it helps us get used to dealing with a real person rather than a training dummy that we're going to throw around and mishandle. It gets us really in the habit of, with kid gloves, being careful with our patients. Um, We've done it a few times now where we had family uh, be uh, patients. We've also reached out, and we've talked about this before, we've reached out to the local high school who had their drama students were willing to participate in some scenarios so those are ways that you can cheaply by getting actors in to portray patients to add more realism to your training night yeah yeah that was a really good scenario yeah yeah oh that that scenario was awesome um and one thing that it really came back to us which i think hit home even though it was practice is it really made us aware of the background chatter on scene and in training um so after the scenario was done we did a quick round table with all the actors and all the firefighters there and uh it was all very very good reviews the the kids like the actors were very happy uh they thought it was awesome they all said that they would love to come back but one of the negatives that came back from it which made us open our eyes and we know that this is training uh, so it's a little bit of a different scenario, and I think that on scene, we're as a group, we're pretty good about this. But what people can pick up on in the moment, so it was an auto ex practice. Uh, there was a student actor in a car, 
we had a couple of firefighters in the vehicle with him, helping with stabilization of the patient, getting that patient out of the vehicle. One of our newer members um, hadn't gone through a lot of that practice yet, but this was one of the nights that we brought everybody together. At one point, pardon my French here, says, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And truly, they didn't, right? Because we kind of grouped everybody together, and you, you fall back to your training. So this person didn't know what they were doing for AutoX. So then they, they pulled themselves back, found an officer or just somebody with a bit more experience, and said, what can I do? And they pointed them, hey, why don't you go over there and help with cribbing? Why don't you go over there and help this? So they put themselves to work via an officer or somebody else. So they did what they should have done if they were on a real scene. But just what people can hear. So that actor came back and said, yeah, that was a little bit unnerving to hear. I don't know what the F I'm doing. Um, and would they have said that on scene? Hopefully not. But that's something that you can learn. I think we all learn from that. So hearing that was, was really key to us. Um, I think like any patient in a real accident, all you have left is your hearing because you can't see anything. You're probably in a lot of pain. So you're focusing on what you can control and that's what you can hear around you. So they're picking up a lot, especially um, in a scenario like, like that. So yeah, be aware. That was a really good learning experience that cost us nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, as you're talking, Ash, you said cribbing and that reminded me if you're looking for training on a budget or you're looking to have even equipment on a budget, um, the cribbing that we have, yeah. the yeah. design of some of our wood blocks and, and what we've used, we could take some pictures. Um, mm -hmm. If you're looking to have something like that to train with cheaply, we've got wood blocks that are stacked together for stabilization. Um, we could easily take, take some photos. That, that's cheap. It's two by fours and uh, mm -hmm. what is it? Structure I-beam, wood I-beam type stuff. I mean, yeah. we've chips. used that stuff all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Cheap, have the other. cheap to make. Great point. Great mm -hmm. point, Spence. And how about that balance table that we use? Speaking of cheap mm -hmm. training, um, we have a ten by ten ish yeah. foot. Yeah. Most, um, most maze or whatever. Most maze, yeah. yeah. Um, you know those labyrinth things with the the two knobs on the side of the wooden box, and you drive the marble around and try and avoid the holes. We've got one of those that's ten feet by ten feet, and we use lift bags and um and cribbing to practice lifting and cribbing mm -hmm. um and yeah we what we did was um we're lucky enough to have <laughs> all sorts of different friendly people around our town it's um the one that we have is a mat that they use to drive on up in the north when they have soft roads so they they build these wooden roads and there's a factory that makes those in our town so maybe it's a little far-fetched for everybody to be able to do this, but you could probably make some kind of cheap frame out of some wood. Mm -hmm. And we just screwed short ends of two by fours into this thing, took a bowling ball and placed playing cards all over this board. And we challenged the crews to lift and crib and move this bowling ball to the ace of spades, let's say. So you can make whatever size you want out of plywood or or any kind of wood, right? Or any kind of materials. And uh, that was cheap for us. Mm -hmm. It could be cheap for you. Yeah. 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 I know we've got I know we've got training pictures of that too. We can definitely find those. Yeah, we can throw those yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. for sure. That was think, cool and cheap. Yeah, and then we got the Barry bars too. 
A berry bar. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. find yourself a berry. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Everybody needs a berry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a gentleman who used to be on crew who um, he built some support bars, which mm. we then use ratchet straps to attach to the vehicle. They've got spiked ends on, on kind of one end and a foot on the other. So it, it sticks and digs and mm. does move and they work great for stabilization. And he built those out of just some metal. And I mean, you need to know somebody who was good with welding or fabricating, but I'm sure, again, it's one of those things. You can have that conversation. And you can't go and buy these there, yeah. No, they're, build them. Their design is much like the Homatro. Uh, rescue 42. Res, res, is it Rescue 42? Rescue 42, yeah. Um, their stabilization uh, triangular with the ratchet strap, very similar idea, but again, on the cheap. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. what they were, they worked really well, though they may not pass any sort of certification if it's something that you can utilize. It goes back to that volunteer mindset, which we are all always in. It's there's a tool and I know how to use the tool. Now put me in a position where I need to figure out in my toolbox which tool is going to do the job for this. And sometimes if you don't have that tool but you have the knowledge to be able to build something similar, it's very easy to do. Um, we had one of our guides build the, uh, the, our breachable door, for example, you know, mm-hmm. when, we, when we've got that. And we'll do that on a, on a different one there. Scott, you got something for me? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, a couple things. One thing about the breachable door. Um, it was the, the metal door for that actually came from uh, an old courthouse. And uh, they had, they had uh, done some renos. And uh, I just had heard that they had a bunch of doors that they had stored in, inside uh, their storage room. And they're, they're cell block doors, so they're, they're obviously fire resistant. <laughs> so we actually used, uh, we got about seven or eight doors and they were going to get destroyed so we got them they're in our burn building so we have uh all of our i think most of our doors are made from that or sorry most of the doors in the burn building are those cell block doors or metal doors from that from that same place and um yeah then our virtual door is that is, is is the last of those cell block doors and yeah our our guy he managed to fabricate fabricate that door but um, I think the cheapest of all the training we can do is is just using pallets. Um, pallets are very versatile and lots of different things. So um, and, you know, we made we can make our rick course pretty much basically out of pallets if we if we need, need to. Um, you know, you, you you put two pallets together into like an L that gives you like a little bit of a portable wall for crawling around in areas. Um, yeah, pallets are very versatile, and the best thing is people want to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like like you said, we use them for we use them for everything that we do down at the burn ground, right? Mm-hmm. Like down at the training ground, we use it for all the stuff, um, building bits and pieces, super useful for as well. Yeah, that's a it's a really good point, really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the other so we do kind of a fun thing as well, so. All of these things obviously training and stuff and everything's fun with that, but sometimes you need to mix training with more fun and a little bit of competition as well. Because competition, you know, it it really does kind of separate the older men from the boys and it's always nice to have a bit of bragging rights. So who wants to take on the hose relays? Ash? Sure. Uh, so every summer, like you say, 
training is training and fun is fun. And if you can make the two come together, especially come August, like who wants to go out there and light a fire in August? Like we're not going to do that. It's mean to firefighters. Like we, <laughs> we, we fight fire in August. That's great. Like we don't take a break, but let's make, let's make some fun out of it. So we've got a high school. It has a couple hydrants on the outside. We uh, position our trucks um, sort of by each hydrant a little bit away. And what we do is we turn it into a bit of a relay. So you have to hit a hydrant, drag a length of um, two and a half. So you lay into the hydrant, one length, you start flowing water. You have to take a inch and a half pre-connect out, run into a field. So you have to go over a fence, get into the field. There's a soccer ball of sorts in the middle of the field. And the first team, the first truck to completely get the soccer ball across a line is the winner. Now, you're all working together. It's a team a team thing, which is great. Um, competition within the department's great. So you're working towards a goal. Uh, it's hot, so generally you wear turnout pants and such, and that's about it. Um, and a helmet, for sure, <laughs> because we're spraying hose stream at each, other, at each other, which I'll get to. So the idea is to win. So you want to get this soccer ball across win or lose once the ball has reached its final resting place and you still have a charged inch and a half line chances are you're going to soak down the other team but so yeah i mean if you're getting i don't even hit the ball (laughs) yeah i was gonna get to that most people by the end of it as long as the ball moves you call you call that a win and you just soak down the other team go for the beat yeah exactly yeah and um it's all in good fun you you try to keep it down on the ground you uh we we do wear helmets visors down so you don't get shot in the face but uh i mean it's just good fun but you're still practicing because you're hitting that hydrant you're you know advancing manpower you're advancing a hose line you do have to go either over or under a fence which i mean it's just there's little small things that you're still doing while getting the guys together and getting out there and you're not learning anything but you're just still honing skills even in the hottest days of the year you're still getting out there right where that's where that that 10 by 10 big massive um mouse maze thing comes in that's in in like january where it's freezing outside and you can't go spray water uh well you could but i mean it's freezing right so there's a pain pain in the ass with that so you do these kind of indoor training things that's uh still get the guys together you get those skills honed but it's fun yeah yeah Yeah. and it's good to add those things in for sure and it's something we look forward to you know every year we we get rid of yeah there's a couple non-practice practice nights yeah that you really look forward to okay scott you got something yeah uh one other thing we do when it's uh it's too hot to use a burn building for burning because of the uh, weather um is i i call it the the kill house because it reminds me of, uh, of like something the military guys would do but we take the burn building and uh, I put uh, like traffic cones um, you know one up high one a couple down low and kind of put them all throughout the burn building to simulate to simulate the fire and uh, I get the guys to move through the building so there's no actual fire but I get them to move through the building as though there was and they do different uh, hose movements and different hose streams, and the object is to knock down those cones. 
as we move. So they have to move in properly through all the doors, check the doors for heat, all that sort of stuff, go upstairs, spray, come back down. Um, it's a good way to do a practice without having to burn. And uh, you could probably do it in like an acquired, like if you get a, um, a derelict home, you can't burn homes in most regions now, including I know in the States they can't for the most part, and, and in Canada we can't for the most part. Um, but you could definitely do something like that if you can't burn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's back to even the pallet thing, build an obstacle course in any area that you want mm-hmm. to do that. You could do it in your parking lot, you know, like you've if you've got a big enough parking lot, which... You know, if you're backing in a massive truck, you've probably got some space somewhere near you that you can do these things. It doesn't take a long time to just kind of screw some bits together and, and, and throw them out there. Mm-hmm. Rob, you got some? Yeah, just, uh, I guess, going back to training on the cheap. Um, right. Something in... That's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it just came to mind. Uh, something that Ash and I have been training on, uh, at least last Thursday and, and the Thursday coming up... Um, is doing vent enter search, but what we've been using is vent enter VEIS vent yeah yeah I was in play Scott's head just exploded sorry Scott anyways Ash and I have been training vent enter isolate search and the eyes employ yes. And uh, so we've been using the dummy in the upper portion of our burn building, um, which has a set of stairs down to a bit of a a landing. And so, you know, we get used to looking for a dummy uh, because we're using a thermal camera. And you get used to just, oh yeah, there's, there's a patient there through the window with the camera. The guy goes and rescues him. What we did is we put him in the hallway, a bit of a stairs hallway and we took some of those uh, during winter time. You take those heating packs that you crumple up, and they heat up really, really warm. You stick them in your gloves, your boots. Um, we stuffed them inside the dummy to get more of the heat signature, so that it will register on the camera. And hopefully, the guy, because uh, what we've done in uh, the burn building, rather than burning uh, a bunch of pallets. Uh, we took a burning barrel with some hay and our uh, smoke powder that we created um, and we burned those two together to create a large column of smoke in that room to get them used to not being able to see very well and with that thermal camera get them used to seeing that heat signature because we get used to training not looking for that and we got to get used to training looking for those Mm -hmm. things it could be just a little heat signature you got to realize that that could be a possible um, person there Um, so we've been kind of training with that playing around with that idea Mm -hmm. Um, they were kind of small uh, heat pads we're going to try and look for something that's a little bit bigger maybe gives off a little bit greater heat signature and uh, hopefully we will be able to get maybe a quick video of what this all looks like, uh, maybe some pictures that we can share uh, in in days to come. And uh, uh, yeah, so far it's worked out. The guys were, uh, nobody found the dummy the first go around. They eventually looked down the hallway and, and found the dummy. Um, but the I think the, uh, the heat had kind of worn off on the, the heating pad. So... Yeah. 
we pulled them out, put them in the back of the truck. You could, after that, see a bit more of a heat signature, but uh, yeah. Great, great idea. Yeah. Great, great idea. Yeah, really like that. Scott? Yeah, uh, Robert uh, sent me the picture of that. Um, and he was asking, I know we were throwing around what might be bigger. Um, I was just thinking, what if we uh, got an old uh, hot water bottle? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they hold heat for quite a while, and they are cheap or probably free if you go to like a, a second-hand store because not a lot of people use hot water bottles anymore. Um, yeah, I was just thinking that uh, when I was walking today, um, how we could solve that problem. So maybe get that a shot if you, if you can find one. Yeah. There's a lot of first aid kits with heat packs too. Maybe they're expired or you yeah, need to get rotated out. You can crack packs. it and throw it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit bigger too. So. I like that. That's a good idea. We were joking around about uh, reaching out to Milwaukee, uh, to, uh, Milwaukee for the <laughs> heated vest and, and heated jacket. So, uh, Milwaukee, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, uh, you want to uh, hook a couple guys up with some heated gear that we can wrap around our, our rescue dummies. Uh, yeah. Well, we're, well, we're working on that. We should also work on a FLIR sponsorship. Get at us. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> yep. Fuck. Mm. You're in FLIR? Come on. Yeah. Give us some cameras. Um... Yeah, great point. I love that. I love that. Again, it's it's thinking outside the box, thinking of normal things that you would use and dragging them into training. You know, we, we do this on the fire ground every time. So when we're out there, we're solving problems. That's what all of us people like to do. It's the fun part of the job is taking a problem, finding a solution, using the tools that we have in the toolbox. And that toolbox is endless. It really just comes down to how imaginative we can be and how we feel like we can use these extra things that we have just laying around to implement a solution and give us some better quality of either training or, again, solution for the problem. Ash? I think the big thing with this is reach out to your department as well. You're going to have a training officer. We have one and then a training team. But all of these good ideas come from all of your members. So you don't want to have 15, 30 people all on a training department, but you want to hear what they're saying. So all of these little ideas where you can train for cheap or train something new, we all come from different walks of life. We all do different things. We all have different jobs. All of those things bring information back to the department. So utilize all of the people that you have around you. Talk to them. Um, after practice, be like, hey, what just think of that what else could we do maybe revisit some some of your uh, practices and ask the guys afterwards like, hey like you know back when we did that veis training <laughs> what uh you know what can we do to be different and then yeah like rob came up with uh, i know we spoke about it a while ago as a department about how you can get that heat heat source in there rob came up with the idea of jam- jamming those heat packs in there and it looked really good it's it, you know, like the, the guys, we had a fire rolling downstairs too, which I think kind of, kind of hurt the heat signature. It was getting pretty hot upstairs. So I think that kind of took a bit of that away. But if you were doing a practice without fire, it was just the smoke powder. I think that would have really stood out there. And uh, I mean, it's genius. I think we're going to find a way to get more heat into the dummy. And that's going to be something that we'll uh, utilize a ton. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not even the fact that you don't have the tools. Sometimes it's that you haven't used that tool enough. So maybe that tool is extremely useful, and it's just finding better ways 
of of utilizing that tool, but creating the scenarios based around some of that stuff, right? Especially with the tech things, right? Kev, what are you laughing at? Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking my tool is extremely useful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your wife said. Exactly. <laughs> you said no, no anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's, that's basically everything, I think, boys, at least for what we've got for tonight's episode. So just a quick recap there. Um, you know, if you're, uh, if you are near, again, reach out, like we said last week, reach out to those people that have, um, have the resources, have the wood for your tools, have the, um, have the vehicles, you know, maybe have the space we were talking about last week, obviously, with the, the dump or um, you know the, the ground areas where you can go and you can do those sorts of things ask if like Spence said you want to go down to the wrecking yard you don't even need to get them transported just take your vehicle down there ask them to pull it into an empty space and start cutting it open you know there's ways of getting that that train in there um, work with locals have the conversations talk to the people see if you know or you can find and get permission to use spaces of land that are dangerous pieces maybe you know that one of the neighbors on one of those corners is a friend of your your brother or whatever right you have that chat you make the connection and you you use you use what you you know and then when we start talking about you know the the resources family friends drama students in this instance that we use put those live people in there raise that level make training hard we had a comment on uh, on our post the other day which i loved you know, training should be difficult. We should be pushing each other. And dummies are dummies. And regardless of how many heat bags we throw in them for a tick uh, to find, it doesn't help when we're doing stuff like um, stuff like uh, MVIs and things like that. Having real patience in those situations is is key. And it really turns up the heat. And like Ash said, if you do have the opportunity to speak to even your dispatch and get those those tones flowing. It really kicks off a practice with a with a great jolt of adrenaline. You know, it's a really good start because obviously, we, like we talked about again in a previous episode, when you hear those tones, we all know you get that spike and you're ready to go. So if you can start your training sessions with that, especially scenario-based stuff, you're already on the right foot as the guys are getting onto the trucks and putting their boots on. Right, important, important stuff. Um, and yeah, and as with all of it and everything that we like to do, as I'm sure you're aware, as we like to do on the podcast, have fun. Because if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. You can be serious and do training well, but if you're not enjoying it, then you need to find that mix somewhere in between to kind of liven things up. Because keeping things alive, keeping that fun in it with the passion and the enjoyment that is where people will continue to come back and they will stay. Like Scott says, it's, it's about making sure that everybody is trained hard, worked hard, but had fun, right? Because if you don't do that, you're not going to come. Next week, eh, I'm not interested. You know, that was boring last week, mm-hmm. which is, you know, where it comes up, comes to that pairing off of, of different things. Sometimes you got to do that crappy stuff, but mm-hmm. make sure the week after there's something fun to back up with, right? Yeah. You know, pair it. Any more for any more? Kevin? I think Kevin's got something. Kevin's got something. <laughs> I definitely say make sure you utilize your community as a resource. There are a lot more people wanting to donate, either their time, their services, equipment, anything like that. Like Carl said, 
don't be afraid to ask. The worst they're going to say is yes or no. Mm-hmm. So if you need something to enhance your training or to specialize your training, go and ask people within your community. They want to see you succeed because chances are you might be there in their worst time. The community wants to give to the department. Well, it's in everybody's best interest to have a a well-trained fire department. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants that. Absolutely. Yep. Gentlemen. Ash. Thanks, guys. Kev. Good evening. Rob. Good night. Mr. Spence. Good night, Carl. And Scott. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm laying in my bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Playing with this tool. In a hotel. <laughs> Good night, everyone.